0: Most of us don't cry over a little spilled milk, and we're mature enough to know that things are just things, and stuff is just stuff. But is that always a good thing? This is Rabbi Yitzchak Price with another edition of Tachlis Talks, growth-oriented, partially related Torah podcasts. In this upcoming Torah portion of Vayishlach, we have a very strange, mysterious nighttime encounter, a battle of sorts, between Yaakov and an unidentified ish, or man. But it becomes very clear in the storyline that this is not just some big goon that's attacking Yaakov, and Yaakov knows that. As the encounter is ending, Yaakov tells him, I'm not letting you go unless you bless me. Unless he blesses you? If this is just some big guy that's attacking you, that's the last thing on your mind. But Yaakov is insistent. I'm not letting you go until you bless me and this big Ish, this big man, declares to Yaakov, to Jacob, your name will no longer be only Yaakov. It is going to be Yisrael. Is going to be Israel, as God himself will soon declare to Yaakov. Changing a name is not simply, uh, you know, for uh, purely identification purposes. That is getting to the sense of who you are, who what your personality is, what you represent to the world. And changing Yaakov to Israel indicates that there's a whole new side of Yaakov, significant to him as a person and to his future, his destiny, all of those of us who refer to ourselves as Bnei Yisrael, the children of Israel, that aspect of Yaakov, of Yisrael. So this being is predicting something of great consequence over here in terms of the ultimate future of Yaakov slash Yisrael. This being, again, clearly not just some big rough and tough bully, is understood by our sages to be the spiritual representation of Yaakov's enemy. And brother, Esav. Esav, Esau, father of the nation of Edom and then eventually of the Roman Empire, which stands in contrast and conflict to Yaakov and the Torah that Yaakov represents, Rome that eventually destroyed the second temple. This is the spiritual manifestation of Rome. In more mystical thought, every physical being in the world, every physical entity has its spiritual core. And this is the spiritual source, the spiritual representation of Esav and his future, battling against Yaakov and his future. Well, Yaakov survives, and he endures, and he thrives, but he is at least temporarily injured at the vicinity of the hip socket or thigh, an area that is seen as representing the support of the body. And although Yaakov and the Torah that emanates from Yaakov will forever endure, the support system of Torah has been damaged. And believe it or not, I'm sure this is hard to imagine, but there are some times that Torah institutions have to fundraise And, I know, it seems like a surprise. You would think that people would simply all be constantly churning a significant percentage of their earnings to Torah-true institutions simply because they recognize the truth of Torah and they want the Torah to survive and to thrive. But this injury at Yaakov, this place of support, has its impact. And throughout history, there's going to be such a thing as the need to find means to support the Torah study, the means, the need to send out the shaliach, the messengers, to various locations to raise the funds, the need for Chinese auctions and and dinners and raffles, and all the various tools that are utilized to see to it that the Torah study can be maintained and can continue. This issue, this battle against Yaakov, the attempt at destroying him, which only has impact at the support facet of Yaakov, is related to the issue of support and finance and assets and investments because it is triggered by Yaakov being left alone to retrieve what is described in the Talmud and in the Gemara and Chulin as to retrieve some pachim ketanim, some small petty jugs. An act that the Talmud explains is due to the fact that for the righteous, for the Yaakov, nothing is just a thing without value and purpose stuff isn't just stuff if i have it it has function and god has allowed me to have this asset it is something that i should not allow to be uh, to be lost i don't discard it needlessly and given that that sonic has earned every penny every copic every ruble every shekel purely and perfectly, no sticky fingers that we talked about in our last podcast, and no corruption, uh, ethical deviations. Uh, Everything that he's earned really is kosher money, purchasing kosher goods. So if I have it, I don't simply abandon it. And ultimately, it can be utilized in some manner for some type of betterment for my family, my community for some type of positive gain, rather than just being left and lost. Big topic in itself, the Torah's prohibition of Baal Tashchis, of not needlessly wasting and destroying things, and of course, sometimes just to keep sanity uh, and and comfort in our homes, we need to get rid of things, that halachic, uh, Jewish-like legal discussion aside for the moment, but as at the core, Yaakov is teaching us, you don't just let something get lost. You don't let the milk spill needlessly and then let it be wasted if there can be some benefit from that product. But, this conflict could have allowed for a lot of confusion. When Yaakov went back for these jugs and then he was attacked and there's some impact on his body that's going to affect the support of Torah, his family could view this as, oh, so maybe dad you are somewhat greedy and focused on the goods just because they're more material goods and you're trying to hoard and be more of like more of what the Roman Empire is famous for, of being expensive and, and having lots and lots of assets and materialism. Is there any of that happening over here? So Yaakov professes immediately after the story a powerful message through the activity that follows this story. What does Yaakov do immediately after surviving this encounter? The text tells us that he built homes for his family, and for his flocks he built huts. Why the distinction, and why do we need to know? Who cares exactly how he provided for his family and his flocks at this moment? The commentaries explain that Yaakov was teaching a powerful lesson. You, my dear family, recognize, I value and I appreciate my flocks. I value and I appreciate every asset God has provided me. I value and I appreciate the smallest of them, the most seemingly petty of them. But, not the way I value you. I value my flocks because of what they can provide for you. So you, my dear family, For you, I build a home. I build something that represents security and comfort and warmth. For the flocks, I protect them. I don't let them get lost. I don't abandon them. But I give them the most basic protection that's necessary, which is going to be provided by the hut. They don't have to have the artwork on the walls. They don't have to have the beautification. They don't have to have the warmth of a home. They have to have whatever works for them to be comfortable as the flocks that will eventually serve you by providing, whether it's the milk, whether it's the wool, whether it's the meat, whether it's the labor, whether it's going to even be the sale and the purchase and, and, the, and the, the cash that is coming in from the flocks, but they, they are to be valued and appreciated, but not taken out of context. The righteous person appreciates everything. He values his quote-unquote stuff, but he's not infatuated by it. He's not enamored with it. He's not in love with it. And it doesn't get in the way of how he views his family. It's there to serve the family. There to serve community. So if the milk spills and I disregard it and say, ah, just some milk, I'm not fully on target. I'm not fully appreciative of the fact that that was a product that God allowed me to have for some good use. But if the milk spills and I scream at the kids, and I say, how could you do that? You just wasted the cup of milk. And I kind of hurt their feelings outside of maybe a good um, instruction lesson to them. But if I lost my temper to do it, it probably is not instructive. It is probably simply a destructive act on my part that's hurting them. Then I'm out of sync. I'm letting the asset be of greater value than the person. And if the milk spills, and I don't really care about the little milk, that won't get me all uptight, but it's spilled on my new razzmatazz carpeting, and yes, there is, check your big Crayola crayon box, a, a pink, reddish color razzmatazz, but if it spills my new carpeting, or my new suit, or gown, or dress, or, again, the asset that's lost, the china plate that was dropped and cracked, or my new iPhone that gets ruined, if I can lose my temper over that, if I'm out of sync with the reality that to that degree, it is just a thing. It's a thing to the degree that it's uh, I should be in greater control, and I can't be causing somebody else distress. I can't allow a human being to be distressed over the loss of that thing. And again, I'm not talking about never instructing and, and, and teaching a child to value the object, but again, I, I can't get carried away with it. I can't let the loss be something that has caught me uh, and, and destroyed my balance, my equilibrium. So, from the akov valuing those Pachim Ketanim, the small jugs, if I have them, they have purpose. Let me be cautious not to destroy them, discard them, unless, again, there's a greater good in doing so. But at the same time, make sure that those around me and my own perspective. Um, it has the kosher mix of recognition that as much as those things are important, they're important because they're part of a bigger picture, and uh, the the human needs of those surrounding me is a much greater ultimate goal. A quick tachless thought, of a step that we can take to try to be better balanced in this regard? A suggestion. There are those goods that we care about a lot more than the milk or the little jugs. There is the brand new iPhone, or the new car, or the new piece of furniture, the new home. Um, And when I'm relating to that object, and I'm appreciating the fact that God allowed me to have it, and very often, for the more expensive assets, there is an appropriate blessing to make, thanking God that he's allowed me to have these goods. But, when I am having that object, and I'm reflecting on it, I'm telling everybody, hey, look at my new... A, B, C, D, or E. And I'm kind of showing it off to others. Can I stop for the moment before that? I've purchased the goods. I've picked up the object. Can I pause? And before kind of having a very thing-focused celebration, focusing on the thing for the sake of the thing, can I pause and not allow myself that luxury to show it off, to display it, until I can ponder how I can utilize this for some greater good. So before I spend my Sundays shining the, the, the uh, my, my the tires of my new car and the hubcaps for the 15th time and spending that, that Sunday afternoon kind of showing off the car, uh, and before I pull out that brand new iPhone 2000 and, and show it off to my friends, can I ponder for a moment, this is a blessing that God allowed me to have these goods. And I appreciate the fact that I've managed to do so in a kosher way and it came my way legitimately, but I'm not going to appreciate it purely for the sake of the object. I believe if we do so, if we can allow ourselves to kind of pause for that moment, then when we do pull it out and show it off, which again can be appropriate if we're not causing anybody to stress in so doing, we're showing off an object of good. And we're showing it an object that I can utilize as a tool. And again, I'm not talking about that I'm giving it away to anybody or even sharing it with anybody. But it, why it is that I view this asset as something that can help provide for some type of betterment. Uh, I think if we know we're going to have to pa- pause and ponder that thought, it may affect how we make the choices as to what it is that we're actually purchasing, what type of goods we are getting. And when we are properly balanced, viewing our things the way we should view our things and our stuff the way we should view our stuff and valuing it for the sake of the fact that I have it and appreciating I have it and not dismissing it but not being caught up in it, we'll be so much more likely to be able to utilize them all very well, train our family how to have a proper balanced perspective on this and be so much more likely to achieve our tacos.